You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 27 When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo, and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force, called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who will sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the fourteenth night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was a hundred and twenty feet deep. A short time later they took soundings again and found it was ninety feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, 
the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Here we come now to chapter 27 of Acts, and we find here the beginning of Paul's journey to Rome uh, to appear before Caesar. He's appealed to Caesar to hear his case, and now his journey is starting in that direction. And Paul's journey to Rome, much like really the rest of his of his ministry and mission, is not an easy one. And we get here this really intricate and detailed and long account of um, Paul and his companions being shipwrecked. And um, next week we'll talk about just where they are shipwrecked. But here we have this account of Paul uh, trying to inform the the sailors of what's going to happen and um, trying to uh, assist because of uh, how the Holy Spirit is ministering through him. One of the things that we have here is, again, another passage that Luke includes himself in. Luke is in the scene with Paul, uh, and once again, we find, uh, and it's no coincidence, more detail here from Luke. And uh, what might have been in other books in the Bible, just uh, a sentence about the ship going down and there being the shipwreck, Luke gives us a lot more detail from the ship. And that is, as we've said in weeks before, just more evidence of Luke's having firsthand knowledge of this event, but also Luke knowing intimately the other eyewitnesses that he draws from. Luke is very much, uh, I believe, and I think it's clear from the textual evidence in Acts, uh, someone who was living and and working alongside Paul and the other apostles. 
I really appreciate what you just shared, Caleb, because um, this chapter is really visual for me because uh, after so many chapters of being at court, um, this is something very different. And there's a lot of um, pictorial words and ways for me to imagine what it would have been like to be on that ship and be in the storm. And the storm went on and on. And uh, everybody was freaking out. And things were starting to break apart. And, like, it was just it, the storm was going on and on. And um, I feel as though even now in our modern experience in, in the midst of global pandemic, like um, when everything began, we, we knew that something bad was happening. Um, and so we tried to prepare as best we could, but then there's this sense of like, now the endurance kicks in. So we need to press in and believe for the promises of God, even though it's getting harder, it, things are not looking great. Like uh, sometimes going from bad to worse and, one of the portions of scripture here is really encouraging to me. Uh, we find in Acts chapter 27, Paul is speaking to the people that are on board. And uh, I will say he does do a teensy weensy. I told you so, but I mean, I'll <laughs> forgive him for that. But um, he talks about this like angelic visitation that he had had the night before where God like sent a messenger to him um, because he really wanted Paul to know something. And uh, he says that uh, to not be afraid. Um, he said, the messenger told me, don't be afraid, Paul. And I think that even Paul, as much as I admire him and he seems like a rock and immovable and always does the right thing. And he knew that God had promised that he would be before Caesar, like that was going to come to pass. He knew it in his spirit, but everything in his midst that his eyes were telling him, like maybe he'd been seasick and he couldn't be able to eat. Like everybody was smelling like, you know, throw up and like people are falling out left and right. And so his eyes were telling him another thing. And, and when you believe something in your spirit, it's beautiful, but getting your uh, your heart and your mind to align with that is a perseverance. And so I love that the Lord sent Paul this messenger to remind him to not be afraid. But Paul specifically says, an angel of the God whom I to whom I belong and who I serve stood behind me, beside me and said, and I think, man, I love that. Sometimes as ministers of the gospel, we get so focused on our service to God and being servants uh, in the hands of God and doing his work. We get real focused on that part, but we forget that we belong to him, that he calls us friends. In John chapter 15, uh, Jesus says to his disciples that um, I don't call you servants anymore uh, because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but I call you friends because everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. And so I love that Paul is reminded not just to not be afraid, but God's like, hey, you serve me. Yes, but you belong to me. Like, I care about you. And it's more than just, you know, God is like a, a boss and Paul is like the faithful worker. Um, but that Paul is a dearly beloved um, and he belongs to God. And uh, 
And so that hits me in a completely different way. And even if I bring that into now, how I feel in my life right here, right now, and maybe everyone listening as we work and as we minister and as we serve and as we care for those in need in ways we, you know, three months ago weren't even on our radar, we become weary and our spirit says press in, but our heart and mind um, have maybe a hard time um, <laughs> buying in um, to remember that we're not just God's servants, but that we belong to him and he cares for us deeply. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.